trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table Again and again Welcome to Grassroots Ohio Conversations with everyday people Working on important issues here in Columbus And all around Ohio I'm Carolyn Harding And today I'm talking with Dr. Alice Farina And Bob Crason With SPAN Ohio an organization working for improved Medicare for all in Ohio. Dr. Alice Farina, MD, served in private practice in Marion, Ohio at the Neighborhood Health Center, VA hospitals, and in academic medicine at Wright State University. Her last full-time job was a medical director for Part B Medicare in Ohio and West Virginia. That is what convinced her that the Medicare program should be expanded to cover all ages but with improvements to eliminate copays and deductibles, which can be done at a cost less than our current privatized system. Bob Crason is a former clergyman in Cleveland. He worked for nonprofits in Columbus, Ohio, including the United Cerebral Palsy, American Red Cross Blood Services, and Vision and Vocational Services until retirement in 2006. He has been involved in SPAN Ohio ever since and is now coordinator in Central Ohio, promoting Medicare for all on the national and state levels. Welcome, Dr. Farina and Bob, or shall I call you uh, Mr. Crayson and Alice? Alice and Bob. Okay, we'll go with that. Okay, my friends, this is kind of self selfish, but I am turning 65 <laughs> in November. <laughs> Yeah. And since last November, I've been getting a lot of mail, emails, and texts about Medicare. And I'm confused. I assumed Medicare was an automatic enrollment, but I'm hearing it's not that easy. And I would ask for some help. I've gotten all kinds of like letters um, from, oh, everybody in, healthcare census, count me in. I've got one from an independent agent. I've got well care informational rollouts, AARP. There's a lot that I've been getting. And I'm like, where I don't want to sign up the wrong way. So, my friends, let's break it down and give folks sign up for Medicare 101. How does one best sign up for Medicare? Alice. Well, I have to ask you a question first, Carolyn, because Almost everybody pays into Social Security, but there have been some circumstances when people, even in employment, uh, did not uh, automatically get into Social Security. So have you been paying into Social Security? Yes, I have. Good. Mm -hmm. That makes it simpler because Medicare and Social Security are linked. Uh-huh. And you can, uh, your initial enrollment period lasts for seven months, starting three months before you turn 65. And mm-hmm. as soon as you are notified that you are now eligible for your Social Security benefits, you are now eligible for Medicare. Okay. So you are enrolled actually uh, the first of the month in which your birthday happens. In Medicare, you are enrolled automatically. And the other parts of it, Medicare Advantage and supplemental plans is up to you if you want to do those things. Those are all run by commercial enterprises. There are benefits and liabilities to those. Alice, do you wanna just share her some of those assets? Well, let's let's first start with a question. Now, Alice is saying I'm gonna get um, notified three months before I turn uh, 65. And then Bob says, the day I turn 65, I'm automatically enrolled. A month. So I don't need turn. to worry. 
the month you turn 65, you're automatically enrolled. The first okay. of the month. Well, it, it depends. Uh, there's such a thing called as called Social Security full retirement age. Uh, if you uh, are willing to take a cut in benefits, you can enroll as early as 62. Well, you're past that, so we don't have to worry about that. And right. you don't want to cut your benefits, so you don't want to. But it all depends upon your birth year. For example, your full retirement age, if you were born between 1943 and 1954, is 66. And it stays that way, more or less, until 1960 and later, when your full retirement age is 67. Hmm. Well, I was born in 1957, so that's after that period. So your full retirement age is 66 years and six months. For Social Security, that's true, but that is not true for Medicare. Yeah, okay. Medicare kicks in at age 65, the first of the month when your right. birthday is. So, Bob, what is Medicare A and what is Medicare B? That's what I've heard. There's an A and a B. And a, a C and a D. <laughs> Okay, let's start with A and B and then go to C. A, B, C, and D. Um, A covers all hospitalizations. That covers uh, going to a hospital and payment for hospital services. B has to do with payment of physicians, doctors, and people who are licensed under Medicare to provide care. C has to do with Medicare Advantage plans and enabled Medicare Advantage plans to be uh, available and approvable. Uh, Part D has to do with medications and drugs and uh, permanent- uh, uh, Long-term care? No, uh, permanent uh, mechanisms to keep you alive, like an insulin pump, mine comes under that, Part D. Like medical devices? Medical medical devices, thank you. Anyway, those are the four areas. when you register for standard Medicare, you are covered under A and B. Um, you also are covered under Part D. All of those have a 20% copay, and uh, that's what you need to think about and worry about. Um, so Medicare pays 80%, and uh, you are on your own for 20%. So that's, that's, the, that's the lay of the land. There's, there's another little wrinkle that you have to consider. <clears throat> Some people continue to work after 65 and becoming eligible for uh, Social Security and Medicare. And if they don't have health insurance coverage, that's no problem. You just go on Medicare. But if and and my son-in-law, who turned 65 several years ago, uh, continued to work in, in, in a school employment system where he got health care benefits, in his case, Medicare became a secondary payer. So it gets a little complicated. You, you need to look at your work situation. If you're self-employed, uh, it's not a problem. If you are have an employer that is offering health care benefits, it gets a little complicated. However, Stop. there aren't too many um, companies. There are fewer and fewer companies who are willing to support you after you reach Medicare. Yeah, well, he, he worked for a school district and they... Right they paid all their employees some health benefits and they were very important because they sure. they were family benefits. Not all employers give family benefits. Right. I understand that a lot of times the educational system has a special. Well, they're unionized. Public <laughs> employees right. and unions. Yes. Right. Let's go on. What are the supplements? Because some people say 
don't do advantage plans that, you know, you won't be able to choose your doctor. What is a supplement and what is an advantage plan? Let's start with you, doctor. Let's take them, let's take them separately. And, okay. And Bob, you can handle the advantage plans. The reason that supplementary insurance, which you would have to buy separately from uh, insurance companies, is the fact that uh, like most insurance plans, even Medicare doesn't cover 100% of your expenses. Now, there are some things it does cover fully, uh, preventive services, immunizations and uh, pap smears and mammograms and so forth. But everything else, every doctor's visit, you usually pay 20% of the fee. There are co-pays in, in certain circumstances. So if you feel that those are going to be burdensome, you have to buy an additional supplementary plan. And that becomes a zoo. I mean, there are plans A, B, C, D, G, E, F. Double Z. In my case, in my case, I my retirement benefits come from the educational system, teachers. Uh, and I don't have a choice. They have decided what my supplementary plan is. So I don't have much experience in dealing with that. But you have to go and investigate them and see what works for you. Those are called Medigap plans. The actual term for it is Medigap. Okay. Um, to fill in for the 20%. Typically, they will leave you with about a 4% cost in addition because they don't, they don't cover everything either. No, they have, and they have deductibles too. Yes. All right. So, so that's Medigap, and you have that will cover the twenty percent that Medicare does not cover, right? Right. Well, and you have to pay for that. There, yeah. there, are, there are also some out-of-pocket costs that come with hospitalizations. So, okay. So, so that's considered a supplement. Medigap is considered a supplement to Medicare. What is? Because some people said, "Don't sign up for Advantage plans." Why not, Bob? Or why should we? A medi- very popular, by the way. Very, they've become increasingly popular and they're actually promoted by Medicare, uh, which I find kind of strange, but that's the way the life is right now. Um, Medicare Advantage takes over the guidance of your Medicare plan. It is a for-profit enterprise for the most part. They uh, will direct you to, uh, the, the, the difficulty with it is that they choose your providers. You can no longer choose the doctor of your choice. You can no longer choose the hospital you want to go to. You are at, just like an insurance company, you have to use their providers. Um, that's probably the biggest liability um, mm-hmm. that people uh, find onerous. Um, and they are inexpensive if you don't use it or use a lot of the uh, services of the plan. They tend to become more expensive the more you use it. And for people who are very much high users of medical services, uh, they can easily uh, be in serious trouble in no time. Um, So that's what we say. But mostly that you lose the freedom you have. And freedom is the key word. Freedom to choose who you want to go see, what hospital you want to go to go to. Let me elaborate on another major difference between what's called traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage, which is privatized Medicare. Under traditional Medicare, it is paid at the moment, and it's not going to last very long, under a fee-for-service system, meaning when you go for a medical service, whether it's a lab test or hospital care 
or a physician's visit, there is a code submitted for that service. And that service is paid for individually for that service. And then you pay the copay after your deductible is met. Medicare Advantage became very popular. The way they became popular is it does not pay on a fee-for-service basis. It pays on a capitation basis. So let's say that an insurance company is offering a Medicare Advantage plan, and it comes to you and it says, look, we will cover everything that Medicare says should be covered. We have to by law. But we will also add, throw in some extra benefits. We'll uh, pay for your uh, gym membership because it's a healthy thing. We might pick up some of your costs. So they, they put in incentives and they say, you won't have to pay. Uh, you might, they might waive the deductible. Hmm. Great incentives. Yeah. One of the other things they do to... Well, what they, yeah, what they do is then they tell Medicare, okay, we have 3,000 beneficiaries under this plan. And Medicare says, okay, we'll give you, and I forget what the amount is, uh, $300 a head for every one of them. One of the things they also do is they upcode you. Uh, yeah. They will start a, yeah. And that's, will, that's where they're rating the Medicare trust fund because they have a cute way of going in and searching for additional diagnoses they can grow in because Medicare will pay more if your risk score is higher. And they have shown that the Medicare Advantage plans have actually denied services that they should have paid for, and they have upcoded and overpaid for people because additional diagnoses were submitted to increase the risk score. So this sounds a little bit like just private insurance. Basically, profit is the king. Yes, of course. That's, that's and services true. are denied. This is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio. And today I'm talking with Bob Crayson and Dr. Alice Farina about Medicare for All and the organization that they work with, which is called Span Ohio. Let's continue, Bob. You have more to say about that. Well, I would just say to... Uh... I have an, a Medicare Advantage plan that my wife and I got into um, maybe seven or eight years ago. But I, uh, to follow up what uh, Alice said, looked at the list of things they were coding me for in their, in their billing to Medicare, uh, and there were 17 of them. I was upcoded with 17 different conditions, and most of them nobody was treating me for. They weren't giving me any pills, any medication. They weren't providing me any therapies for that. And I finally went to the doctor and I said, now, why are you doing this? Because I don't have these other 13 things. I have four of them, but I don't have the rest of them. Oh, well, we can take those off of there. And so she did. Um, I'll be interested to see if they stay off or if somebody threw them back in again. So they're rigging the system. Oh, yeah. definitely. definitely. Okay. So improved, you were talking about expanding and improving Medicare for Ohio. I want to hear about what span what this organization you're working with, what your solution is for Ohio and citizens in Ohio for the best kind of coverage for Medicare. It's called Span Ohio, and you say improved, expanded mm -hmm. Medicare for all. What does that mean? Medicare for all is uh, a federal bill. It is in the uh, Congressional House's uh, uh, HR uh, 1976. It is in the Senate as S-1976. 
2404. It is in the uh, Congressional, in the State House Senate as Senate Bill 253, and in the uh, Ohio House as HB 446. I have to be careful to remember the numbers because they change every year. But those bills would provide for all necessary medical care at payment of 100% of the costs. All costs, all uh, physician's charges and hospital costs would be negotiated. Uh, so there wouldn't be people gaming the system. Uh, Medicare, uh, you would have no need for private insurance because uh, it would be covered. There's no... Uh, no need for supplementary insurance. No need for supplementary insurance. And um, so that's, that's, that's the, the plan. Um, it would be paid for as public schools are paid for. There would be a fixed tax, and hopefully it would be a progressive tax, meaning that those with the ability to pay more would uh, would pay more for healthcare, and those uh, who are not as as wealthy would would pay uh, less. So it is it is a plan in which 95% of Ohioans or the nation would pay less for healthcare. The, the top earners, the top one uh, percent, the top five percent would would pay more for it, but. They have the ability to do that, and they wouldn't even miss it. Farina, what about just expanding Medicare as it is right now and allowing folks 60 years old and up to have it, lowering the age incrementally? Well, that is one strategy. Um, Given the polarization in our political system and the great resistance with very highly paid lobbyists influencing legislators to not vote for a full implementation. So it's possible you could squeak through it by incremental means. Um, That may be the reality. I'm opposed to it. I say, do the right thing right now. Cover everybody. Exactly. You're going for what you know is the best for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. That's my uh, hope. Okay. So Um, Yes, Bob. Those who have, uh, uh, I haven't seen any more traction of people trying to lower the age of Social Security to 60 or to 55. That has, that has just fallen on deaf ears in, in Congress and even the State House forever. Um, but so I, I agree. I, I think if you're going to change the paradigm, you need to change the paradigm. You need to do the whole thing. And because you don't have the benefits that would happen with uh, Medicare for all with anything else. I'm just curious, what caused you personally to get involved in this fight? I mean, there's all kinds of fights for justice going on. Why, why Medicare, Dr. Farina, for you? Well, um, I left my academic practice uh, sometime in the 80s when I got an offer to take the administrative job with Medicare as medical director. And everyone said, oh, don't do that. You know, the government can't do anything right. It's terrible. Well, I decided to do it anyway because I was tired of what I was doing. And I was just amazed at what I saw. First of all, everyone I worked with were professionals, were physicians like myself uh, working in other states. We were involved in none of them. You know, we were paid uh, ordinary salaries 
No one made a million dollar salaries. The director of HHS is paid under a government system of salaries. So that they're, and Medicare doesn't advertise. It doesn't have to, everything's automatic there. So the administrative costs of Medicare are very low, two, 3%, something like that. Um, when you get private insurance, you're paying people, first of all, at the uh, highest levels, the CEOs, 10, 20, $30 million salaries. You're paying for, through your premiums, the lobbying they do, and they spend millions on lobbying to make sure that uh, they stay in business. I was impressed that the, not only was it professionally run, at a very low cost, but they were the innovators, for heaven's sakes. Uh, the year that I came there, we were just in the midst of doing something that uh, was actually adopted by the private industry, which is to create a rational fee schedule, Medicare's fee for service. So for every code for which you're billed, it is composed of three components having to do with uh, you know, costs of doing business in a particular geographic area, the training that went into it. And they got that through the system. And now there is a Medicare fee schedule that's logical and rational and is updated every year. Now, it doesn't pay as much as the private insurance companies do. But you know what the private insurance companies did? They adopted our fee schedule because it's rational. And then they say, okay, we're going to pay 120% of the Medicare fee. They didn't do it. Then uh, they, Medicare was very innovative in identifying fraud and abuse. Mm. And manipulating codes is one way to do that. Uh, mm. Like if you had a chest x-ray, they found ways to bill three chest x-rays simultaneously, mm. three different chest x-ray codes. So Medicare went ahead and said, oh, this, this is just uh, working with computers. They figured out which codes should never be billed together. They made sure that no man ever had got billed for having a hysterectomy, for example. <laughs> Guess what? The private industry did it themselves at great cost, and then they used our system. Mm -hmm. So the uh, private sector is not very good at finding ways to save costs. Very good. How about you, Bob? What got you in, in, in this fight? Short answer is Alice. Uh, <laughs> um, I was about ready to retire in, in 2005, 2006, and I saw this letter to the editor written by a, a SPAN, uh, a, uh, Ohio uh, associate, and I responded to it. And next thing I know, Alice was on the phone talking to me. Can I come over? And I tracked him down. <clears throat> she tracked me down. Um, it really fits into my life perspective, however, that we are all sisters and brothers. We all are connected. We are all related. And if something happens to one of us, in some way it happens to all of us. And I perceive that healthcare is at the center of that issue, uh, that we need to see each other as all in this together. We are all uh, partners uh, in healthcare. Uh, and uh, so when we see somebody fall on the road and need care, um, we should be uh, very forthright to take care of them and help them on their way. Uh, 
Um, I thought the country was on that road, um, but then with the explosion of Medicare Advantage um, and um, these plans to privatize, and when you see three lobbyists in Congress from the pharmaceutical industry for every member of Congress, you know that something is very wrong and they are out for their own good and don't really care about, <clears throat> about we the people, um, the people who are uh, in need of these services. So that's why I got into it and I continue to, to look at, look at uh, healthcare in that, that light. And Bob, you've gotten me into it too. And I really am grateful for that. And so thank you, Alice from from your your influence is, 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 is rippling out now i just want to ask you what we can do our listeners can do to help push medicare expanded improved medicare for all in ohio and then um nationally we we have a couple minutes left let's talk about ohio what can we do to help create this in ohio I would number say, one, you, vote for people who will support your personal agenda and interests. So make sure you're registered. Make sure you know who's running and what their agenda is and vote for people who are going to support you. Number two, one of the things that SPAN has is a lobby committee. So we meet with uh, legislators, particularly the um head of either the health committee or the insurance committee, whichever one will be acting on the legislation that's been introduced. Mm -hmm. So we would very much welcome you joining SPAN, uh, Region 5. Just go to www.spanohio.org and join us. And particularly, we would welcome you on the lobby committee because the more people that show up at these meetings uh, where we lobby for making sure we have proponent testimony. We've only had that happen once in any biennium. Um, we didn't get with the pandemic and stuff. We didn't get to that level this time. But next biennium, I think we have another shot at it. And the time we had the proponent testimony, we had so much support. They had to schedule a second meeting and the chair of the committee was very impressed. So you can influence even legislators who are not really looking after your best interests. All right, we have just time for 30 seconds, Bob. I would say every person in the state has five representatives uh, in their government. They have two US senators, they have one congressional house member, and they have a state senator and a state representative. Call, write, visit, um, get, get after them to support this kind of legislation. We all need it and it would cost a lot less than what we're doing. Thank you for your advice. I'm gonna re-listen to this and take you up on it. And thank you for joining us today in Grassroots Ohio. You're thank welcome. You the opportunity. You Appreciate it. All right. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN.org, Grassroots Ohio now airs on Sundays at 2 p.m. on WCRSFM.org, 92.7, 98.3 FM Columbus and at 4 p.m. on WEJPLP 107.1 FM in Wheeling, Moundsville, West Virginia. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. Namaste. 
You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.